0: Okay, welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. Uh, I'm your host, John Larson, and we're here on a special uh, something that we've never tried before. First of all, we're here in the, 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 the uh, studio with a, a full house. Um, let's take and go around and introduce our panels. Jessica, you want to talk in that mic?
1: Hi, I'm Jessica. Can you hear me?
0: Say something clever.
1: Something
2: clever.
0: All right, thank you. Chris?
2: Hi. Something cleverer than what Jessica just said, copycat. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Chris!
0: <laughs> Robin. Yes. yes. All right. Welcome everybody to the studio. Did, did Zilfa Did we come up with a name for the studio yet? I, I, I thought. I thought that was your assignment.
3: The den of iniquity. <laughs> Dante's third ring. <gasps> <gasps>
0: So, tonight we've been talking about this for quite a long time to do what we called the book club. Um, there's a lot of people, it's, it's something I've been, it's been requested several times that there's people who want to sort of participate, even if they're not going to call in or sit in the studio. And, um, we want to give people an opportunity to read some of the best. Um, and most interesting books that Mormonism has to offer and this is the first time we've actually done that and uh and we're here we're live we're broadcasting it and um you all should plan on calling in and um participating and if you're in the book club if you're not participating in studio this month well you got to take your turn isn't that the way it goes
1: absolutely yes
0: all right so tonight um well, let, let's, let's first of all go through the mechanics of it. If you get on, cause I know most of you are listening to this recorded sometime in the future. So what you have to do is you have to get onto Ustream and create a login and then you can hear us live. Our schedule is posted out there on Ustream or you can see it on our website or you can see it in our Facebook group. But, um, I encourage you to, to connect into one of the, the, uh, the uh, live broadcast. Okay, so you can get in touch with us a couple ways. With the UStream, you can text your uh, question or whatever in, but then everybody out there in the recorded land can't hear you. So that's the second best method to actually calling us on Skype. You can um, install Skype; it's a free application. If you have a speaker in your computer, you can call us for free. Um, you need to friend mormon expression on skype and i will let you in now just know that when you call in i can't necessarily answer your phone immediately because we're oftentimes recording the podcast so i will try to uh uh im you or or chat with you or if i just ignore you know that you're out there and i might call you back in five or ten minutes so that's how it goes if you're nervous about all that you can try to skype me beforehand and we, we can arrange for you to come in does that all make sense all right. Uh, those, are, those are the rules to the game. Now, the first book we're doing is The Backslider. We're going to get into that in a second. Um, the Backslider can be purchased through our online Amazon store, as long as I'm pimping all sorts of things out here. Um, if you go to the our front page, there's a link to the Amazon store. Um, it costs you exactly the same amount that it would if you just bought it through Amazon normally, but um, we get a percentage back, so that's pretty cool. And you can buy anything that you would buy through Amazon through Mormon Expression, and we get a percentage back. So if you're buying you know, some, uh, you know, some uh, sexy panties for a special occasion or, or whatever, you know, we can get a cut of that and that, that that works fine. All right. Anything I left out? Do you
1: get a report of what we buy?
0: Um, I do get a report of what you <laughs> oh, buy, dear. but I don't get a report of who <laughs> buys it. So um, I just stumbled on that one time. I um, It's not something that, uh, I, I think that's for promotional purposes. So if I'm, you know, pimping something, I can see if people actually buy it. Um, but I don't know who buys what. So, so your secrets are safe with me, I promise. Okay, tonight we're gonna talk about, um, when, when we decide to do the books, the book club. Now, I picked three books. Now, um, before I move on, our next book club is February 13th. And we're going to move it up to 7 p.m. from 8 p.m., 7 p.m. Mountain Time, so that our East Coast people aren't in the middle of the night. Um, I got chided for that since I used to live on the East Coast. 7 p.m., February 13th. And the book will be uh, Mormon Enigma, Emma Hale-Smith, by Linda King-Newell and, um, was it Valine Tippetts Avery? Maybe. That sounds
1: Valine. Valine.
0: Valine. So this was written by – By two faithful sisters. Uh, one of them has unfortunately passed away. Uh, the, the other is still around. Um, and it was, uh, it's an excellent book and an excellent introduction, a great biography, even though I've never read it. But I started reading it today. So, um, so, uh, I'll be ready for the next time and you all should be too. You can order a copy of it on our store or find it at, um, you know, a DI near you. All right, so tonight we're talking about the, um, the backslider. Are uh, we ready to talk about the backslider?
3: Yes. Absolutely. Let's do it. Can I start with the comment? Please. That I typically do not read Mormon authors. Um, however, within immediately, it was easy to, to see that Levi is definitely a writer with skill, knows how to use the language in delightful and unexpected ways. And on page four, I loved his description um, of welding about it. When he was welding, it flipped back and, and hit the undercarriage in promiscuous places. And I just got so tickled, and I knew it would. this was going to be a great read.
0: Uh, you know, I, I, the reason I picked this book first is, I, you know, I, I've read a lot of books, and usually when you're reading, like, Mormon stuff, you're going to, like, take it down one level but i agree with robin that this book if it wasn't about mormonism would stand up there with with all sorts of american fiction it is a great book it is well written and and you're right levi's prose on every page sort of sort of grabs you and and, and kicks you where it counts <laughs>
2: yeah in so promiscuous places. <laughs> yes, in promiscuous places
0: so i i think most people out there haven't haven't read the books so let's give a little bit of background to it um Levi Peterson uh, I don't have a lot of his background. I know he was a professor of English at uh, Weber State for a lot of years. He lives up in the northwest uh, right now. He's still active in Sunstone and some of those other things, so he's still he's still kicking around and maybe we'll have to see if we can
3: He was an editor of Dialogue.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he's been involved in the um the sort of Mormon liberal Sunstoney um,
3: fringe, fr-
0: fr- fringe, fringe for a lot of years. This book was written in 1984, I believe, and the book is about Frank Wyndham, who lives in um, wh- wh- is he in Panguitch?
3: He is in Panguitch,
0: Panguitch. in Panguitch, mm-hmm. Southern Utah, and the book is set in about 1956 or 57.
2: It's the same year Seven Brides came out. I was going to look that up. <gasps> oh, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And they talk about Nixon too, because yes, I was curious Nixon when Nixon was, was vice
1: too. president.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, you have to do some math. He was vice
3: president for eight it's years. It's not obvious.
0: His dad, his dad, dies in um in forty six on the on the headstone, and then he later says he was ten when his dad died, so he would have been born in thirty six, and he's about twenty one, twenty two when it happened. So anyway, it's the late fifties when the, when the book is set. Um, so it's about Frank, who's um, how do we describe Frank? He's your standard. Southern Utah shit kicker, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, backslider. He is a hard worker. <laughs>
0: hey, y- yes. He
2: floored me how much work he did all the time. He just worked and worked and worked.
0: So so f- Frank, the hard working ranch hand, is a um is a is a Mormon um who grew up that way, um like a lot of southern Utah sort of people, and um is having his trials with the faith. He's still a believer, but he's trying to decide um, exactly wh- what he wants to do. And that's sort of the the setup for the book. Did I leave any key foundation thing out there?
2: I think it's important to note that he's he's trying to figure out his relationship with the church, not because he has read any doctrine that he finds questionable, or there's not a serious reason to not be Mormon for him, except that it's really fun to drink and go out with his friends. Like, you know, there's different kinds of struggling with Mormonism, And his version of struggling isn't doctrinal as much as it is. um, It's uh, more emotional. It's
1: emotional. Mm -hmm. And And I
2: think that that comes into play because mm -hmm. his level of guilt is off the charts. And people who have a hard time with doctrine a lot of times question the church and then don't feel as guilty. Whereas he feels (laughs) mountains of guilt all the time.
3: Well, his idea of Mormonism is clearly based in asceticism and so basically coming to terms with that you know if that's something he can fit into or not.
0: Yeah yeah so uh, my, my Larson's came from Sam Pete County um, so I knew lots of Frank Windham's um, and these are guys who you, you know when, when the pioneers came over it was it was the rough west and they scattered all over the west and they were Mormons by identity but not so much by you know like Doctrinal practice or anything like that. And if you go out in the far reaches of Mormondom, you'll still find guys who are, you know, in the bishopric, but you'll find them at the cafe every morning, you know, down in their cup of coffee. And, you know, there's a scene in the book where they're at the deer hunt and, you know, they're still, they're, they're drinking coffee and they're passing around the beer. That stuff still goes on today outside of, outside of Utah County. So I, I mean, I, I knew lots and lots of guys like that. I mean, I had a, I had a great grandfather who, Went to the temple once when he got married to my great grandmother, and he was one of those guys who would never, com- never take off his garments completely. You know, like when he's was washing, he would he would keep it one arm on. You know, yes. so oh wow, so, like Claire?
2: No, wait, Frank's sister. Yeah. I've never seen my husband naked. R- right, right. Oh, it comes yes. up in the book.
0: So, so there, there's this whole group of people um, out there, especially in Utah, Arizona, Nevada, Idaho, who are Mormons. Through and through, they would never walk away from that. But as to actually practicing the faith, um, you know that that that's a whole other story, and that's sort of that's sort of who Frank is.
1: Yes, I agree with that. And I never knew people like that existed.
2: Me either. I was so obedient.
1: Oh, me
0: too. You, you mean the book was your first introduction? To no, I
1: mean I know that now. But but yeah, growing up, it was you know it was black and white. I You're either a Mormon or.
3: You're not. Beer yes. On no. US. Yes. When I was Shocking. a Mormon, very black and white. That's mm-hmm. what we are discussing driving in. Really? That it's only recently we can see the true diversity of those within and those without. Yeah. And how we all fit. And wouldn't
1: it be great if, if everyone knew that there were more gradations of Mormon? Like you can be this kind of a Mormon or this percentage of a Mormon. I don't know. It would have been great for me. That it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
0: But... But now, Frank, I don't think it would have been okay for him. I mean, he, he saw the faith in black and white. He just didn't live it that way. Right. And which was part of the, you know, one of the two big themes of this book was Frank's unending guilt and his relationship with God about that. Um, probably my favorite line from from the book is Frank calls God the son of a bitch in the sky. <laughs> For me, I can really relate to Frank. I mean, I, I shared some of those same sort of things. This, this sort of, where Mormonism, um, sweeps you up into this thing where your, your, your guilt, you can never do quite right. If you remember, there's one point in the book where Frank goes into the barn and he has a notebook that he keeps up in the rack. He has a tally. And he has a tally Mm -hmm. for all the, all the naughty things he does. If he's cross with, with his horse or if he, if, if he's, um, you know, if he's jerking off or whatever, he keeps, he keeps a tally for each of those. And then he tries to keep his good stuff and he realizes that, you know, he's going to be a son of perdition because he can never make the balance. Work.
2: Yeah, but wasn't it interesting? Like later on in the book, there's another tally book. It's Gomer's tally book and it's the same thing. They're tallying up all the times she has sex with him. <gasps> oh, her that's husband. right. I didn't yes, think of that. To, to erase mm-hmm. all of the other tallies. Okay. So yeah. You, so, like, you have
0: to explain Gomer.
2: Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> gomer came straight from a prophet
0: yeah uh, a, hosea. Po- a, a polygamist, pro- a polygamist well,
2: the, the, the- well the polygamist had a vision uh from the pro is it hosea hosea how do you say uh, Hosea? It, yeah
0: somewhere in the bible okay, yes.
2: someone in the bible came and talked to the prophet and he said get thee hence to this whorehouse and you'll recognize this face and this woman should be yours and you will call her gomer and it's the most appropriate name Gomer, <laughs> it is. she's
0: a gomer. <laughs> I appreciate
2: her, and I feel bad for her, but she truly is a gomer.
0: So, so in in the book, um, and we find out later that this guy has sort of been stalking her a little bit. Yeah, she she's a she's a prostitute, and she's working in a cat house across the the, the, the line. And one of the the um, polygamists has his eyes set on her, and he goes and um, he he takes her out of the house of ill repute and marries her as his fourth wife. Um, yes. And um, and then he tells her that for every time she uh, fornicated, um, she now has to have sex with him in order <laughs> to erase those sins. And
3: they estimated upwards of 700 times. Quite a job they had.
0: Yes. And this was making the other wife um, <laughs> sort of upset. Yes. So so
1: Rightfully so. so.
2: Farley. His name was Farley. Farley, yes, Farley. Farley yes. and Gomer.
0: Far, Farley and, and Gomer. And
2: then they have a son named Jezreel. <laughs>
0: ah. yeah, yes by revelation
2: yeah that was a vision too right yeah a revelation so i think that you wanted to have a little bit of a storyline like maybe so, so i think a really brief one just to give an overview okay is frank's working on a farm and he works for wesley earl and his wife clara and they have a daughter named marianne who's coming into town um and he meets marianne i think it's the it, their relationship is kind of crazy. She,
1: she has thighs the thinks, size of a man.
2: Yeah, she thinks, thinks she is just ugly. Yes, and she comes out to him, and she's like, Are "You Frank?" And he's like, "Nope." <laughs> and then she comes back, and she's like, "Are you Frank?" Yep, yep. <laughs> and then she says, she gives him a false name, and she says, uh, I, "I I sell fertilizer." You might know it as bullshit. <laughs> like and that's the beginning of their relationship. So anyway, he works for Wesley, and and um. And he decides at one point, and we can go into different like depth about this kind of stuff, but he decides to get even with Wesley a little bit. Wesley mistreats him a little bit, and he decides he's gonna have sex with Marianne and that'll teach Wesley a lesson. And so he does, but he does in his true guilt fashion, he kind of likes her, but he kinda of doesn't, and he and he ends up not having sex with her because he wants to bruise this flower, but because he really likes her, but not really kind of. It was he, so- he sort of
0: doesn't realize he doesn't all yes. throughout the book, Frank never quite understands his own, his own feelings and his own motivations. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so, and Mar- Marianne is young. She's in 17. high school. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. in high school. Well, and Frank's only like 20 or 21. Right. He's not, he's an old duffer. <laughs> so, uh,
2: he has a brother. Frank has a brother that's going to BYU. Um,
0: Jeremy. Jeremy.
2: Jeremy. Jeremy goes a little bit crazy. Um, has an accident deer hunting.
0: Well, he doesn't have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: didn't know we wanted to talk about that yet, yeah, so I was just going to try to like blow right over that. All
0: right, well if you're listening and you're about to read the book, stop the tape now. <laughs> read the book because yeah. we're about to do spoilers. Okay, if you're back, Jer- Jeremy cuts his Jeremy cuts his um
3: his unit his beans. His beans. his
0: Frank and beans. Himself. His Frankenstein beans.
3: They made a steer out of him. And his personality was one of you know they describe him over and over as being kind of the most righteous mm-hmm. of the most smart the most righteous and he's the one who had a revelation he should go to BYU even though he didn't want to and decided to go mm-hmm. and then when frank goes to pick him up to go hunting he's he's crazy. Off, off in some weird funny it was, supernatural mm-hmm. doctor's place and then they go up hunting and that's of course the situation that leads him into emasculating himself and it's quite a job for Frank to
2: get him back, definitely. Yeah. Yes, yeah, to Frank where he has
3: to hold really the wound
2: seriously and rest carry his him life. Right. And that's was that the second like revelation that night. Frank has a revelation when he's sleeping in the truck and he hears this whooshing sound. Oh. Yes,
0: that Frank's first revelation, which is a very important revelation.
2: Yeah, and it's the one where he needs to buck up and be a good cowboy.
0: Well, and what and what does he see in the revelation?
1: The shotgun.
2: Oh, God. He, he, he yeah. Scoping him God's,
0: out. God's sights. Yeah. God has his yeah. gun.
2: Which is interesting because we always like to say we're in God's sight, right? Right. <gasps> but this, oh, is the the violent, like, this is the most violent. This is the most violent. God is truly sighting him in.
3: Well, so, yeah. I just got chills. It so, <laughs> <that> was wonderful.
0: <laughs> so two themes really run through the book. And they play out with, um, we talked about Frank and Marianne. And, and Frank starts um, sneaking away and, and, and having sex with Marianne. Who's his girlfriend, but he just doesn't quite realize it. Um, but, but two big themes are, are through the book. One is it's about sex. Mm-hmm. And, and more importantly, sort of the, ch- the church and its relationship with the carnal. I, I think sex is sort of metaphor for the whole thing, which is, you know, this, you're in the world and, you know, cause, cause Frank feels guilty not only about, you know, masturbation, he feels guilty about his pearl button shirt and his boots and having a horse. His truck. And his truck. Any pleasure. No,
2: no. Food with taste. Food with,
0: Food taste. with taste. And he, yes. he gets that from his mother who doesn't, Definitely. Who, and then, so his he feels mother. Guilty about bacon.
3: Do you mind if I interrupt for a <laughs> moment? Oh, Cause I think this is a perfect time to add in this, uh, quote from the book. It's on page 141 of my paperback copy. And, uh, and so it's this theme that you're discussing right now where, um, they're discussing why Jeremy would have possibly done that. And is he crazy? You know, what happened? And, Um, Frank says he ain't coming out of it Frank said there isn't anything for him to come out to who'd want to spend his whole damned life with his privates cut off and to me I saw that as the theme who wants to spend you know spend their whole damned life being cut off from their privates and in some very real ways he's trying to cut himself off from his privates by denying you know the the desires of his body.
0: Yeah. Jeremy really is where Frank is going. Right.
3: Right. Right. Yes, Um, Yeah.
0: And, and, and Frank Frank
1: realizes that too.
0: Frank realizes that too. Marianne realizes
1: it. Yes. Yes.
0: I think one thing that's key though with Frank's personality is he's so harsh and so judgmental to himself, but he, he isn't that way with anybody else really. Mm -hmm. And his brother, you know, when his brother goes crazy, he insists when Jeremy goes crazy, he insists everybody call him Alice. And Frank says one time, no, that's stupid. And then he calls him Alice for the rest of, right. you know, here's And he
2: goes p- out to priesthood meeting and he's like, this, this is, Alice. is Alice. And I'll have words with anyone who calls him Jeremy.
0: Right, right. <laughs> so, so, so Frank is really this, this loving sort of the, in a way he's this mod he's a hellraiser, but he's this model sort of Mormon. He's this model way. And, and his Bishop, um, who, who's a, who's a great character recognizes that in Frank, but Frank can't see it in himself. He can't. And that's, that pollutes his relationship with Marianne. He can't. Understand that he's, you know, that they go to the movies and they have a good time and all that sort of stuff.
2: Well, one thing I thought that was interesting in the timeline of the story-wise, uh, that Frank has this experience with Jeremy cutting off his privates. Um, two days before that, he's out with Marianne and he decides he wants sex and he needs it bad. And she's like, we can't, I'm on my period. And he's like, nope, don't care. She's like, no, seriously, you don't want to go there. And he's like, uh, nope. So he actually, like, they kind of insinuate a little bit later that he realizes the last time he had sex, he was bloody, too. Like, his privates were also bloody. And I think that that's kind of what put him off sex for a while.
0: I hadn't thought about that.
3: That is very interesting. And gross. Yeah.
2: I mean, just to read about. Oh, Sorry, so many I things about human nature aren't <laughs>
3: gross. <laughs> so
2: you were saying there are two key things, and one of them was um, one of them was our relationship, the the church's relationship with our bodies or sex, S- carnal Se- Se- our, our bodies,
0: mm-hmm. and, and 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 the other one is of course the relationship with God. Yeah. And now now Marianne and her family are Lutheran, Lutherans. right? No,
2: mm-hmm. not her dad. Her dad.
1: dad's, her, a, her dad's just, not, her, Yeah. Her, her dad's, dad's a free thinker. Her dad's yes. an
0: atheist who who's just putting on the show, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um,
2: Not even very well, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. He he's he's he thinks it's all a bunch of hogwash. So so, but but um, I, I think you know to, to to skip to the well the very end. Marianne is sort of the the ideal true Christian. I, I I would think as Levi Peterson sees sees them. Um, she's she's loving. She's caring. You know you know when they f- first have sex, she just sees it as uh you know you know even though even though. You know, she's underage and they're sneaking around. She just sees it as sort of a loving thing that that, that she did. She doesn't feel any guilt about that. And, of course, Frank starts to really um, tear himself up over it.
3: Well, and Frank had really lied to her about his intentions and that he planned to marry her before she felt, you know, so it really was about a relationship and love to her.
2: Boy, that guy could not say no. He said yes no matter what. And then he'd go and he's like, damn. And then you have to think of a way to, the next morning I'm going to have to tell him no, you know, but he couldn't say no right up front. Anytime they asked him to do something, okay.
0: Yeah, I mean he, he's a real he's a real pleaser, um, but he sees that in himself as sort of a, a, a big negative, especially with his own with his own things. Let's see if we can uh, bring in our friend Christensen here, Christian here. Sorry, Christian. All right, Christian, you've been listening in. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, have you read Have you read the book, Christian? Yes. All right, so we're just talking about Frank and you know cutting his junk off and uh, all, all the other stuff. So, what's your that take? Was
4: Jer- that was Jeremy who did that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we haven't gotten
0: we haven't gotten yet Frank to what Frank does. Frank just thought about it. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but um, so so tell tell me, Kristen, your take on the backslider.
4: I mean, mine I actually read it a, a couple years ago for the first time, and so I just skimmed through it again tonight just to remind myself of a few things. But the. The one thing that stands out the most is just the theme of guilt, the guilt that, that Frank feels all throughout the book, the the insane guilt that um, that Jeremy obviously feels to do what he did. Um, I mean, I think that's the theme that just defines the whole book.
0: Well, and, 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 and that guilt, also this, not fear, but the inevitability that Frank feels that God is going to level the score. You know, for him... You know, Jesus is coming to burn the world up. And I think he even says that to Marianne at one point. But, you know, when he has the vision with the with God's got his sights on there, he's waiting for anything bad to happen. You know, he talks about his truck might roll or, or whatever's <laughs> going to happen. Because it's not just guilt. It's it's they're coming for you and God's aiming for you.
4: Well, it's a very fatalistic view of the world. I mean, he he it's out of his it's out of his hands. He just has to to so roll with the punches. He keeps trying to control his own behavior, trying to control his own urges. But there's nothing he can do about it because it's, you know, it's all in the cards already. And and I think that's why he's got this sense of self-loathing. And obviously Jeremy's sense of self-loathing is way worse uh, given what he does. But, um, yeah, so it's this fatalism mixed with this insane level of guilt that he can't ever quite get over.
0: Right, and I was saying that plays out through sex. I mean, nobody on the Mormon side in the book has a healthy attitude about sex at all. None of his, his aunts do, his mother doesn't, there's nobody. All the women seem to think very low of men and their sexual desire in the book.
4: Right. Well, and I, 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 I don't remember exactly how it plays out, but when Frank is trying to control himself, there's this scene where he ties himself up and, uh, and it's right out of the Marky Peterson pamphlet that, mm. that, that that I received when I, was a, when I was a deacon or a teacher. I remember getting a, this blue mimeographed, you know, 19-point plan for how to behave yourself. And, and one of them was tie your hand to the bedpost. And, and when I read that in the book, I was like, wow, that's straight out of Marky Peterson's little, you know, how to how to behave yourself thing.
0: It it is, and Frank takes it to the next level because he's actually married when he does that, um, right? To to Marianne, and he has her strap him in, and she just doesn't quite understand what's going on. With but Frank.
2: she does it. That's where the book stopped being funny for me. I made a note in my notes. I'm like, yep, not funny anymore.
3: Well, well the, very heartbreaking. It
2: was heartbreaking. That was that gone from like caricature, ha ha ha, to no, not funny.
0: Well, to to me, the book the book is 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 amusing, but it's not funny all the way through because I I never did anything that Frank does, but that whole feeling, you know, like I said at the beginning, that son of a bitch in the sky, that was my thing. You know, I, I never saw God as somebody that I, you know, I, I loved or longed for the way a lot of Christians do. It's somebody to be feared, somebody to be avoided.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. That's, that's kind of, I, I really related to Frank in the way that he felt and so it wasn't a funny book for me either. It was kind of like, I'd read a little bit, then I have to put it away. I'd read a little bit, I have to put it away. It was uncomfortable.
4: Well, I read the, I read it like in three sittings. I just tore right through the whole thing. But to me, it was more, um, yeah, I never did anything that Frank did. Uh, to me, Frank and, of course, Jeremy are just these extreme examples, like just this off-the-chart example of 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 the feelings you have as a Mormon teenager kind of taken you know, to this, to this absurd extreme, but, but that's what makes it so you can relate to it. Just like, you know, in, in a lot of uh, novels where you see this kind of absurdity played out.
2: Right. By pointing out the extreme, then we have to redraw what we think is okay. Right. Because we think that is not okay. But then how extreme am I? Where is okay?
3: Although do you all, think it was portrayed in a way that seemed to fit and be realistic for the book and to fit though it was off the chart in some ways.
0: I I I think it's real I would take anybody who's a convert to the church and who moves to, to Utah to to read the book to understand cultural Mormonism and sort of the underpinnings. I mean the book obviously takes it to extremes, but those attitudes of the scorekeeping and the vengeful God and you know the
2: uh, the uh, control of yourself the self control that it takes to and it 's not just good kind of self control it 's like the asceticism you were talking about um, sometimes it 's the flavorless beans sometimes like um when margaret frank 's mom is talking about why her mother Jerusha lost babies, it was because maybe she was maybe she had pride. Like maybe her babies, too proud. Maybe her babies died because she was too proud. Um, like you can't even really enjoy yourself or your family. Maybe she loved them too much. Like that kind of take. Ah, that's so twisted.
3: Yes, definitely. Well,
0: the, of the ten chapter, chapter four is titled "God Strikes."
3: Yeah. Right.
0: Um, you know, and 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 there is that in in Mormon churches. There is that talk all the time of. God's blessing, God's blessing this, you know, God blessed us this way. You know, i stepped on the brakes and I avoided a pothole and that was God's blessing. Although people don't tend to say God's cursing, I think it's like implicit in the whole system that God rewards and God... Um,
2: doesn't reward, because a non-reward is a curse. Right. I mean, if God could have stopped you from step, from hitting the pothole and he doesn't, it's a curse.
0: Yeah, yeah. So 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 anything you know, cattle dying or, or, or whatnot, um, it's it's all uh, God that must be feared.
2: Speaking of the cattle dying, like when he goes to find the consecrated oil for the hospital, and he goes to the farmer guy, and he's got his Coke bottle of consecrated oil. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that a it was in a Coke bottle, and b. His testimony of it was, uh, in relation to <laughs> healing horses and cows. He's <laughs> like, I have healed me some fine cows with this Coke bottle.
0: <laughs> which, which, Mormons today, you know, this once again, where I say. It's this totally
2: was, spot on. This I can was totally really see my cattle um, yes.
0: has been with with Mormons forever. But I think if you said it in most, you know, chapels today, they would think you were crazy. But I mean, that's, that's Mormonism that, 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 through
3: and through. Definitely.
2: I grew up with cowboys. Um, I absolutely can see this even happening, even though it's a little bit extreme, a little bit, there's so much good cowboy logic in here. It's spot on.
3: Yes, and I saw my mother's family through this whole thing. She was born in 1930 in Gunnison, and uh, almost every name in there, I remember hearing story (laughs) after story growing up. She was, (laughs) I think, the 7th of 10, uh, poor children to poor farmers. Um, Although her rural Mormonism, rural Mormonism seem to be a much kinder, gentler Mormonism from what I understand to where people seem to be a lot more down to earth, as we described earlier, where sometimes they're off having coffee in the morning and drinking beer when they go hunting. Um, So it was interesting to see the flip side of the rural Mormonism that is not kind and gentle. They
2: have, yeah, they have both in here, both like the super uptight Margaret. And then the little bit more laid back, and it's usually the guys that were more laid back.
3: Definitely. Are are we ready to move forward with the plot a little? Sure. <laughs> um. Oh, although I think I forgot where I was. Oh, at some point after Jeremy has decided he needs to become a Mormon monk, and that was actually a word the author used in in what he was trying to convey with the change that went on with Wouldn't Frank.
2: Eunuch be a better word?
3: Oh, did I say Jeremy?
2: I was talking about Frank. Frank is going to be a monk.
1: Yeah, that he's
3: becoming the Mormon monk, and then finds out that Marianne's pregnant because it just so happens apparently you can get pregnant on your period, and so he decides to do (laughs) he decides to do the right thing and marry her, although there is some discussion that because she's Lutheran, he it's not the right thing. To I, marry her. I
2: really thought it was awesome. His plan surprised me when he comes up to her and he's like, I want to marry you for a year. We'll live like brother and sister. This kid will have a name. Cause back then that was super important, especially in the rural areas for the, for the child to be born to married parents. And so he solves that by marrying her for a year. And I thought, you know, maybe it's not going to work, but that's a, that's a pretty complex thought for Frank to have.
0: Yeah, and and as uh as one of our listeners out there points out, especially since she was a heathen Lutheran, yeah. you know that was oh, a, that when was a big When he goes thing. to talk
2: to his bishop, and the bishop's like, he's like, I I've been sleeping with this girl, and uh, turns, and then he's like, she's not Mormon, and, it's, and and the bishop says, oh, then she probably is
0: loose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
3: But he defends her as being a good girl because he recognizes that the the sweetness and maybe the the better example of Christianity she displays stands for in and the then novel. Married for
2: a year. I thought would be a pretty good plan. And even when he finds out that as her husband, he could possibly inherit the whole ranch system that Wesley has. Um, he, the first thought is, Oh, good. Then when I leave Marianne, she'll be set up. Like it's not, he wasn't selfish. He wasn't yeah. selfish. He wasn't going to keep, he wasn't like, Oh, maybe I should stay
0: married. It right. was more.
2: He realized that that she would be okay.
0: Definitely. So, so, so let's let's be clear. Frank was really, really down on himself, as, as we've said, and he he considered himself a rascal, and that he was undeserving to have any sort of happiness, be that from food, his or, truck, or, or his truck or anything else,
2: his horse,
1: his clothes, so his when, shiny pearl button shirt.
0: When Marianne finds herself pregnant, you know, he decides he's going to marry her, and he, they work out the plan to marry for a year. And like and they're, they're going to live as brother and sister. He's not going to have sex with her, um, not really because he doesn't like Marianne, but because he's not allowed to have any sort of fun or pleasure. And he decides before that, that he's going to spend the rest of his life suffering. Mm-hmm. And that that's the only way. And, and what's what's and interest- he knows
2: he's only going to marry her for a year. It's so not really being married,
0: right? Um, so so because he, he still it lasts I mean, like a
2: half hour. Yeah,
0: he yeah. still he thinks that, you know, having sex with her as his wife is is, is sinful. And, you know, that's that's one of those themes of those. World. And I I know that teachings out there a lot among a lot of religious people that, you know, sex is just for procreation, not for anything else. You can find conference talks that say that. Um And there's a other great while we're on the point, there's some other great folk doctrines that show up in there. That just everybody accepts. Blood atonement is all through the book. Kolob. um, Kolob. Oh, yeah, Kolob. You oh, it's know. like
2: offhand references to Kolob. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So that, that's why I say it's a great book as an introduction to what. It's, there's a lot of things in there that the apologist would deny that any Mormons actually believe, and it just shows up in their uh, in their in their conversations.
4: Well, well and he, he somehow manages to do this in a way that avoids what you know the the Wallace Stegner problem. Wallace Stegner once commented that. There's no good Mormon fiction because it takes too long to explain the Mormonism. That's true.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. He and, just threw up out there without having to reference what it was.
4: And 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 Levi Peterson doesn't. You know, he doesn't apologize for for. You know, it's like if you were to read a book about Jews. You know, they, they don't explain every little thing. They just they just tell it and assume that you know what's going on. And, and Levi Peterson does that. He just. He just tells it how it is. He just assumes that you that you know what what's going on. He talks about polygamy and everything else, all the other parts of the history, without ever really explaining them. There's no there's no didactic. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. It's just it just is. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's it's so readable to to a Mormon. And I think if you're if you're not LDS and you read it, you're not going to understand all of those things, perhaps. But you're going to, I think, like John was saying before, you get a much better sense of what Mormon culture is really all about by reading it.
0: Um, um, Heather in the in the chat land asks, based on this book, do you think Brother Peterson's message is that this is standard Mormonism or do you think this is supposed to be extreme Mormonism? I, I would say this is standard rural Mormonism for the time period. I mean, Some of these things are not, but the way the people interact with polygamists and that they were there and they were around and the attitudes – I don't think Peterson was trying to portray the environment as extreme. Frank, you know, he was using to sort of push it and Jeremy, of course, to push that to the extreme to make his point. But I don't take the um environment as extreme. What do you all think?
2: No, I don't think so. I think that even even the even Margaret, the mom, who's kind of extreme vegetarian. Kind of a zealot. Kind of a zealot. Mm-hmm. You you can totally relate to her. It's not a caricature. He does yeah. have
3: he adds a lot of dimension to the characters Yeah, definitely. I think they have
2: depth. But I, and you I understand Frank, why they are the way
4: they are. Well, well, and I'm reading uh, Escape by Carolyn Jessup right now, and, and she's describing polygamous, uh, you know, FLDS Mormonism in the 1980s and 1990s up through the early 2000s. And so much of it is, is exactly what Peterson describes in the book, yeah. you know, in terms of attitudes about uh, sex and procreation and about... Uh, uh, pleasure and and you know, uh, self abnegation and all those sorts of things. I mean, all of that is 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 still very much part of that culture, and and it has the same roots as as, as mainstream Mormonism.
0: Yeah, um, he- Heather points out in the in the chat logs points out that she's from Mormon Cowboy Idaho, and she didn't see these things, but the the the, the cohab's weren't in Idaho. So down in southern Utah, you'd, you'd run into that a little bit more. And James backs me up, saying his grandparents are from San Pete, and he saw that in his family. So, yeah, I, I, I can see some of the, Like I said at the beginning, I can see some of this stuff in, in my own families, although not as extreme. And I do think, you know, it is just a novel. Um, Peterson has to push some things to the edge to make his point, so it's not, uh, you know, a 1,000 pages instead of 300, but... But I I recognize all that stuff.
2: And a lot of it's allegory. I mean, I can see it on a couple levels. Yeah, it's a story. But then there's also, maybe not allegory, maybe just like a a moral tale or something where um, you don't, maybe you don't take everything at face value absolutely 100%. Like the cutting off of his privates, Mm -hmm. which is so funny what they kept on calling everything privates.
0: Yeah. Just laugh when well, he's they, like, they, they would, crazy. they would go back and forth. And you, if you remember, there's one time, um, Frank is riding around and he sees a, a, a crevice in the hill and he gets all mad because he thinks about like Marianne's uh, crotch.
1: <laughs> 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 he, he, feels,
0: he feels like he's gone over the edge. All <laughs> yes, right. Um, has. let's bring in another caller. Let's bring in, um, Jesse. Hello. Hey, Jesse, you there?
5: Yes, I'm here. Welcome
0: to Mormon Expression. Thanks for calling. Have you, have you been listening?
5: Yeah, I've been listening. Oh, so, uh, so you're the one step time, up I on think.
0: the uh, slacker Christian. All, all right, so uh, <laughs> J- 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 tell us, tell us, tell us. Uh, oh, oh, Jesse, your 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 take.
5: <laughs> um, well, growing up, um, as, you know, as, as a city kid in the in the 80s and 90s, I just thought it was great to hear about all the the horses and the cows and the the trailers and how they had to move all the cattle around and everything. I just the whole first. Oh. Uh, quarter or so of the book was pretty heavy on that. And, um, I just enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To me, the book is sort of a throwback to the things that I knew about. I, I was never like a farm kid at all, but I was related to them. You know, right. we'd go stay at my grandparents' house on, for a, in Sanpeak County for a week every summer. And I, I would see this sort of talk and, and this
5: sort of action and sort
0: of behavior. So, so I, I, I I'm on the same boat.
5: Yeah, I think for, for, for just about every, um, you know, Mormon under 40, this is probably the experience of their, their grandparents or their great grandparents. Um, so that, that was good to, to get a better hold on. Um, there were a couple, there was one other theme that was in the book that I found, um, that we, ha- we haven't had discussed here yet. And that was of, um, kind of the way that nature played a role in the book. So there's a lot of talk of, you know, their treatment of the animals and how they, how they, used the animals on the ranch, um, and then they went up to see those fossils. Um, uh, who was it? The, the guy who owned the ranch, um, Wesley. took, up, took like the professor
0: yeah, and Wesley. those people
5: up, up to see those, those old fossils. Um, and all of that is kind of juxtaposed against, uh, you know, all the church, church doctrine and the, the blood. Um, there was just a lot of symbolism with that sort of thing. That
3: was a good point. And then a lot of, the descriptions with animals included right. you know, cutting Violence. off chickens' heads and Calf and nuts. hanging yeah. a, what was that animal that Oh the cougar. Yeah, right. cougar that, that the cougar that ended up hanging in the yeah. tree.
5: Well, and then the goat, the goat that crapped all over the new car. Oh, right.
3: oh right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: And then they he he broke its leg and they had to you know, its blood was spurting all over the place and Do you think um, the
2: lame bull was a symbol for anything?
5: I, I kept thinking it was because it kept coming up, but I could
0: never know. come up with it. I'm not I smart enough know. to figure out what the lame bull stood for. <laughs> yeah.
5: I, I have to be honest. I read this like a month ago, and I, I kept thinking um, – I just kept calling that guy Packer in my mind.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. lame uh, bull.
0: Heather in the chat room makes <laughs> another really good point I think it's worth bringing out. She she says um, the, it's the members – Ie Frank and Jeremy who are taking the message <clears throat> not t- too far not the church I, I think that's true because if you look at the characters in the book like the bishop yeah. and the other ward members there none of them are suffering this sort no. of extremism they're even, normal th- even the polygamist you know Frank has all these weird ideas about sex and everybody's <laughs> like uh, no it's not that way at all so I think he I think um, um, Levi plays Frank and stuff off off the church. But that being said, I think it's clear from the book that these are undercurrents in Mormon culture and undercurrents in Mormon thought.
2: And kind of maybe like uh, something that a lot of us go through, something a lot of us overcome even as teenagers was uh, desires and different things like that. So maybe Frank kind of represents part of our personality.
3: Definitely. And definitely the different aspects of the different kind of people and how they can be in a very similar culture and system and how it affects everyone so differently what can completely wound one may you know give meaning to life for another person so I thought that was really very interesting and to where it seemed like the author was um, and in fact I believe this came up um, as one of the themes in an interview he gave in 2007 on Mormon stories. But the idea that God is no enemy of human appetite. I don't think his, what he was trying to get across was so much necessarily about God or even the church itself, but how some people interpret it and, and the role they play in hurting themselves. Um,
5: yeah, I, I, I thought, I think that played out with all of, um, Frank's bargains that he had with God, you know, all throughout the book. It happened over and over where he would be backsliding and then he'd kind of pull himself up a little bit and make some new new arrangement where he was, you know, okay, well, we're only going to have sex, um, you know, once a week or, right. or it's only going to be at this time or, you know, there, he did that a million times during the book. Um, and I think that's probably something that every, maybe not to that extent, but every LDS male um, has probably made similar, um, you know, justifications within his own mind. At some point or another,
2: I think a lot of that has to do. Uh, so, uh, what we were just talking about uh, with the God we create in our mind—not that right. God—I'm right. not saying God is fiction. I'm just saying we all have our own versions of God, and a lot of times, um, how we judge ourselves is based on on the God that we've created.
5: Right. So Frank kept setting up new standards for himself all along the way. Yeah, he had a vengeful um, God, it- and so
2: he was always. Always guilty nasty God. because his God cared that much about everything. The
5: punctilio. Yeah, I, I like the part where they were in the the Lutheran church, and he was commenting on how how weird the Lutheran church was, and then he looks over at um, Marianne's cleavage, and he felt bad about it, even though it was in a, in a Lutheran church. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so let, let's talk a little bit about the the final the the final main arc of the story. So Frank. We, we've talked a little bit how Frank um, gets married to Marianne because you know she's in the family way and but he, he he believes that he's not fit to be married to anybody and he's gonna leave her in a year and that's his plan and he tell he explains it to her you know because he, he, he broke her heart when he told her that he didn't love her um, but but he keeps jumping on top of her. And he keeps treating her nice more, more than anything else. I mean, they go out every Friday night and, uh, you know, it's it's obvious to everybody that he truly cares for her. He truly loves her. And he even starts telling her he loves her. Right? And then he starts lamenting that it's not going to work. He's not going to be able to leave. Um, but we, we talked about the restraint. So sort of the, the penultimate climax of the book is he, Wakes up in the middle of the night, and I, I guess we have to say he has a problem where he wakes up in the middle of the night. Um,
2: masturbating.
0: Masturbating. Thank you. That's that's the right word for it.
1: I hate that <laughs> word, though. I have to say it's <laughs> one of the ugliest words ever. It's
3: better than self abuse. Oh yeah. There's a, there's
0: by a, far. It should be said. There's about fifteen like synonyms for yeah, it to show up in is, the book. there is. some great ones.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost wrote one down because I about had to think about it twice.
0: <laughs> it like
2: what uh, something about it. It wasn't. Choking. It was. It um, was um, it the
1: mule one? Something was, with the mule? Yeah, yeah. Was yeah, yeah. What was it?
2: Yes. What
0: was it? <laughs> Bopping the mule. No,
2: no. But it was something like that. Yeah. It was so crazy. It, was, I was, it did. It I, like a twi- twi- I had to go back
1: and read was it again. Actual,
2: literally. Something I with the mule. I would,
1: kind of went back and I was like, "What's he talking about? A mule? Where'd the mule come from?" <laughs> <Me too.
5: laughs> but, but this was a this was a nocturnal emission, though he wasn't. He wasn't doing it consciously. Well, well, at least, well, not he
2: wakes up and Yeah, yeah.
5: He
0: wakes up and he has Marianne, because he can't unstrap himself. So he has Marianne unstrap himself, and then he, you know, he, he. He of, says,
2: "He says, I want to have sex with you," and she says, "Nope," because she knows. She said in her, she says, "Nope, there'll be hell to pay in the morning."
0: R- right, and it, and she
2: knew, she knows because she knew he, he would not really do something. want it. He's yeah. going to hurt him. Yeah, he would he do something. Really want it, mm-hmm. and, and he's like, "Nope, now," and she's like, "There's going to be hell to pay." Right. And she doesn't mean that she's going to be mad, she yeah. knows, or that him. he would
1: be mad at her. That yeah. he Just would that be angry. He would do himself. something to himself.
0: Yeah. That, that, yeah, yeah. That there will be consequences. Yeah, there's going to be consequences, and there are consequences in the, in the morning. That, oh, that was. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. sort of hard to read. It was hard to read. That
1: was
2: where it was. That was so hard for me. It, it was so sad, and I thought, "Don't, don't, don't, don't go anywhere." I
3: know, but it seemed like one of the truly like human, very human moments, you know, because you could see the love that Marianne had for him, but she wanted to love her husband and have that kind of a relationship, but knowing how much it hurt him.
2: She says like, um, a little bit before that. Um, no, it's right about then. She, um, she talks about, she talks to Jesus and I can't remember who she's talking to, but one of the quotes is, but I also say, sweet Jesus, please don't be like Frank thinks you are. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes. yes and it seems like she tries to offer up this alternative to him mm-hmm. which yeah, Cowboy great Jesus, yes mm-hmm. in the end <laughs> he learns to embrace
0: so we, we'll get to cowboy yeah, Jesus get, in a cowboy. second I expected cowboy
2: Jesus all the way through this book and I got him on the last three pages
0: everybody's yeah. wondering now who hasn't read the book because we stopped at what, what happened so
2: oh yeah so, <laughs> <laughs> Frank, it was tragic Frank, it was hard
0: to read Frank gets out of bed and he's looking to punish himself so he takes his hand to a cheese grater oh. um and, and messes it himself up. takes off a up, couple layers. Takes off a couple layers. To the bone. Um, yeah. So, well, that's
2: not hard on your knuckles. They're right well, there. Well, that's true, but still, it's it, quite a description.
3: It would it still hurt. Yeah.
2: And then he drives off. Goes to do his job.
0: Because
3: he's a hard worker.
2: Because he's a hard worker. <laughs> and yeah.
3: he wants to further torture himself. I, yes. I, I have, I have that, yes. I have the
0: passage. Um, he from,
2: says on like 397, I'm a son of perdition. I'm done. I hate God.
0: Yeah, I, I'm looking back on three thirty-three, and I think this is before he.
3: The cheese grater.
0: It might
3: be. I'm sorry. What page?
0: Yeah, it's just it's right after. It's when he wakes up in the morning on page three thirty-two oh, in, in my my copy. Um, so he he wakes up and and he says he he tell, asks her to fry him up some food because you know they're eating plain food right, um, and she says come sit down with me. Oh, well, he says come sit down with me. I want to say something. She brought a box of Kleenexes from the bathroom and joined him at the table. I hate God. Oh, Frank. I hate God and Jesus. I hate the Holy Ghost, too. If I knew how, I'd kill them all. I'd blow them to hell. Oh, Frank. Wielding his bandaged hand direct, uh, delicately, he shoved egg yolk onto a morsel of toast and put it in his mouth. Falling with a gulp of milk, he said quietly, I'm finished. Her teary eyes were wide and stunned. I don't have no will left, Marianne. I can't fight no more. I'm a son of perdition. He rose and headed for the bathroom. When he emerged, she was carrying dishes to the sink. He found his glove and hat, picked up his lunch, and went to the door. Frank, she called frantically, Kiss me goodbye. He kissed her and bent his face into her tangled curls. What are you going to do to yourself, she whispered. He didn't answer. Well, I see you again. You'll see me again. And, you know, so she doesn't know if he's ever coming back. Because...
2: Yeah, it's real.
0: It's, 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 it's real. And she
2: knows he's headed the same way Jeremy is. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he, and he, he abuses himself, he cuts himself, and then he leaves. That'd be so...
3: Frightening. That'd
2: uh, be frightening. Uh, but- <laughs> and this was before she gets baptized, right?
1: No, that's yes. the irony. Yes. Yes. And so she's trying to do
3: everything right and... And live this way that she thinks is right. Yes. And, and she loves him so yes. much that she that even though she doesn't think his relationship with God and Jesus is a healthy or the right one, she's still willing to try mm-hmm. to have that same relationship if he'll stay married to her.
0: Yeah, she and she even says she can't buy Mormonism. She can't get it. But she's trying out of the genuine goodness of her heart, you know. And that's where I said a while ago that I think Peterson is using her as sort of the true model of Christianity, as opposed to Frank, who is the perverted sort of Mormonism to an extreme view. So um, so she had introduced before the cowboy Jesus way early <laughs> in the book. And yeah. if anybody want to in explain the, very the cowboy Jesus?
2: Her version of Jesus rode a white horse and came over a hill with the sun behind his back, and he was kind and loving, and <laughs> he was a cowboy. He was he was good and a hard worker, and,
3: and and wasn't she lost, and he found her? So it was like this very kind, kind of a hero. Yes, yeah, she was like lost. She's man. a little girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he actually, yes, he did. In the very like the Marlboro- end, he rolls his own perfect. cigarette. Oh yes. yes, I thought that was cowboy so Jesus funny. rolls cigarettes.
5: So yeah, yeah, he was smoking it at the end. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. yes.
0: So, so at the end, Frank baptizes Marianne, and he's mm-hmm. there. He's there at the church after he's he 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 takes off his wet clothes and he stares at himself naked in the in the mirror, <laughs> and then he goes over to take a leak. And he flushes it once. <laughs> and he goes to flush twice, and then he has a vision. It's three I think
3: because the rushing three. of the oh, toilets <laughs> is was his the Holy rushing Ghost. Of the urinal. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes.
0: So in the vision, he, he shares he shares Marianne's vision, and he sees Cowboy Jesus. A cowboy rides up, and Frank realizes it's Jesus. And like I said, uh, Jesus starts to roll his own cigarette, and Frank- Frank's
2: like, "Isn't smoking against the word of wisdom?" And Jesus like. Yeah, I advise against it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's a new habit I've taken up. I don't recommend it.
0: Yeah, so, and he goes through and Frank says, you know, we've got this problem in our family Mm -hmm. and this problem, and Jesus is like, yeah, that's
3: rough. (laughs) That's it.
1: He lists everything. My
3: brother, my dad died. And he listens, and he has empathy. And he dispenses beautiful, loving advice. You know? Yeah. Love your wife. the Enjoy way. life.
2: Go fishing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. so Frank says to him, he says a bunch of stuff, and he says, I love the world, Frank says. I love my wife and my little kid that hasn't been born yet, and I love a big truck under me, and I love the sunrise out over the Escalante brakes, and I love the sound of the diesel running the pumps in the middle of the night. That's what I love. I hate God. And Jesus says, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Myself, I love God. I know you do. Go on now. There isn't much more to say except I scraped all the skin off the back of my hand, and it's in my mind to do the same thing as Jeremy did, except when I cut myself off, there won't be anybody around to stop the bleeding. Then Jesus says, why can't you believe my blood was enough? Why do you have to shed yours too? Which is what Marianne had asked him had asked him before.
1: Yeah,
3: yes.
0: So... Um, to to me the you know we've we've talked about the book and how it's such a great introduction to mormonism in the end what peterson does in the last two pages there is show mormons kind of the jesus that everybody else believes in that you don't sort of have to earn you know your your way into heaven that there there, there is a there's a grace that that there's and and marianne is the personification of that um you know, because she never stops loving Frank, and she never stops caring for him, and she never stops trying. She's even willing to go as far as, as getting baptized in a church she really doesn't hold to just, just for her love of Frank.
3: Definitely. What I find was interesting is the beginning, even though they described what a back, black, backslider he was – he had dreams and aspirations and he was moving towards his goals and having his truck and his fancy clothes and buying a piece of land and getting cattle was all part of this dream he was building for himself. When he became the monk, he gave up all of it. And at the end, once he's seen this loving vision of what a relationship can be like, you know, with, with a deity, it shows him beginning to rebuild. As he talks to Marianne and making plans to regain those things that that he had let buy go. Buy his
2: horse back.
3: Yeah, buy his horse back. a
2: house until they can afford to fix up the land they bought.
3: Yep. I
2: really liked Cowboy Jesus better than Frank's Jesus. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Cowboy Jesus. He was cool. <laughs> Very good. That's a Jesus I can believe in.
0: <laughs> and and so the very end of the book is now. Now Marianne says some. Well, both Frank and Marianne always say the same thing through the book. Do you guys remember what the phrase was? What you bet. <laughs>
2: that,
0: that's their response to, every, oh, to everything. I
2: didn't even think about Marianne. I saw it in Frank all the time, and I was like, Frank.
0: Yeah, yeah, but um, at, the, at the, the, the very end of the book is is Frank's explaining it to her. Marianne finally realizes things are going to be okay, and Frank climbs on top of her. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and, and she says, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> "You bet." You bet.
5: He was just smelling her perfume. <laughs>
4: that's Right. <clears throat> when I was, when I started as a freshman at the U, um, I had a, uh, a kid down the down the hall from me from New Hampshire. And he says, "Why does everyone here say you bet'? I mean,
1: and nobody so does.
4: What's we don't, that?
1: And we don't bet. <laughs> we don't it, gamble. It, it, is,
4: it is a typical Utah phrase. I mean, maybe it's died out a little bit now, but." I, I do remember that. I remember that of, too.
3: Yeah, which essentially
4: like Utah that. phrase. Mm-hmm.
3: Definitely, I remember several of those. He caught some great ones because there was an after which, in the book. After which, no, no,
2: <laughs> my favorite one when was he's giving her a blessing and there's one word and it's "we're four as much." <laughs> We're four as much. <laughs> <laughs> We're four as much, and yes. it's all one word, and I just had to write it down because I'm like that might be my favorite Mormon word. We're four as much. As you have been, blah
0: blah blah. <laughs> well, that's that, that's I know we talked about it in the beginning, but it's worth it. That that Peterson is able to paint, you know, Southern Utah and its beauty and its desolation and its harshness in words, and the people, um, you know, the Gomers and the Farleys and just everybody he's running into uh, when he's driving. He uh, part of the book he drives truck from like one polygamous compound to another oh, right <laughs> right <laughs> and, and just the, the people he runs into and the, you know the the humor mixed with the heartbreak um because when the book said this would have been three or four years after the short creek raids um you know so mm-hmm.
2: they so, talk about him in there too yeah
0: yeah they they, they they mention them and there's the little boy who comes and pulls his his Otis? bunk up next to oh, right. him and he was just heartbreaking
2: he was. Oh, but you remember, so one thing about like all the different versions of God, his version of God is that he was, oh, his name was Jimmy. It was Onus' son, Jimmy. And he was saying that his Aunt Mary doesn't have kids because she doesn't say her prayer and ask for some. Right. And like I was just like writing down little versions of God throughout the, and so this little boy believes that his aunt doesn't have kids because she doesn't pray for him. And what, what does that mean to him about her? Like, how does he judge her? I mean, how does he feel about her that she wouldn't pray for kids?
1: And how does he feel about a mom that would just say, well, go live with her then?
2: Uh, I know. I know. <laughs> but the mom misses him. Yeah. that's uh, That part was sad for me, too, a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the book. The, the, the book. I think yeah.
2: it, it, for those of you who haven't read the, this and who are going to read it, if you just have, like, a notebook or if you buy the book, I Really think you should buy the book. I wish I would have. Yes, I did a library, and I regret it. And just have a highlighter and just highlight all the different versions of God, all the different quotes about God that people say. It's so interesting all the different belief systems we have. It was awesome.
0: I agree. Very good. All right, guys, our hour has kind of gone by. Any last last minute thoughts about?
3: do you mind if I share a quote? Please. Because as I was reading this book, my mind kept going back to an essay I read maybe three years ago that had really struck a chord in me. And I decided to prepare for this. I really needed to go ahead and find that essay. And it's in the book Multiply and Replenish Mormon Essays on Sex and Family. And as and the name of the essay is In Defense of Mormon Erotica. And guess what? Levi Peterson wrote it. Oh, no way. I had no idea who Levi Peterson was at the time and had no idea the backslider even existed at that time. But this is his ending paragraph where he summarizes um, basically his argument in the book and what he's uh, his advice to writers and Mormon writers specifically. He says, don't be paralyzed by prudery. Don't fall into the (laughs) opposite excess of pornography. If you are bold enough to write and read about characters eating a meal, be bold enough to write and read about characters making love or going to the bathroom or uttering angry scatological expressions. There is a vitality in sexual imagery and obscenities shaped proportionately. They do not corrupt and vatiate a work of literature like a tributary river They add to the swelling current of ideas, images, and emotions that make reading of a good book a consummate experience.
1: Nice. That's great. He
2: has a way with words.
3: He does. Yes. I
1: am just, I want to meet him in love with this author Mm -hmm. now, I will tell you. (laughs) I'd like to meet him. Definitely.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Like I said in the beginning, brilliant piece of literature. It would play both inside and outside if only it could break the the, the barrier. You know, I, I know it's not going to, but it's one of those things that you know every every Mormon should read, both for its message of of grace and hope, its message of the underside of of Mormonism and our view on on the atonement and on redemption. Hey, Christian, you, you, your beer cans keep falling on the ground. It? <laughs> I,
4: I, I thought it, it, well, that's not what it is, but. <laughs> I thought I had hit mute, and then I just realized that I hadn't. <laughs>
3: You're ruining after John's After my touching. last comment,
4: so uh, sorry uh, about uh, that.
0: No, no problem. All right. Well, um, everyone should go out there and get a copy of the Backslider. And we're on the lookout for great Mormon fiction, and need, there needs to be more of it, and uh, and more that we can uh, we can recommend. So next, oh, uh, anyway, any last thoughts before I move on? No,
2: thanks, John. This was awesome. I'm so glad. that yeah, it Great, great
0: session. Ne- yes, thank next, you. next, next month, everybody needs to get their copy of, um,
2: Mormon enigma, Emma Hill Smith.
0: Yeah. Mormon enigma, Emma Hill Smith. Um, the book after that is, That's um, it's the Carolyn Goodbye, Pearson. I love yeah. you. Yeah. That was going to be oh, hard.
2: That mm-hmm. was my, very, I, I was extremely Mormon when I read that. Me too. And it tore me up. In fact, it was my very <laughs> first insight into anything homosexual at all. Me too. Just growing up in my little yeah. tiny world, mm-hmm. you know? I think it, it was, was in high school it was awesome
0: yeah. so so get those the one's on February 13th the other one will be on March 13th we'll be doing them live we expect uh, more of you to call in Um, thanks to Jesse and Christian you guys were great
5: hey thanks for having me on (laughs)
0: Um, and remember to get your Ustream account and get your book and you'll be able to order through Mormon Express and all that other stuff I already said am I leaving anything out guys? yeah
2: thanks to Heather she had some great comments too oh yeah Yeah. definitely thanks
0: thanks to Heather definitely and uh, everybody else in the in the chat room. Um, as always, the discussion continues. We're happy to uh, check the check the uh, Morgan Expression webpage and uh, and talk about the backslider. Um, and thanks everybody for coming tonight. I really appreciate it. It's a lot funner in person.
3: It's awesome. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> I recommend it.